I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. Alexis is a mother of three and a psychotherapist specializing in the prenatal and postpartum transition into parenthood. In this episode, she shares her transformative experience of becoming a parent for the first time. We explore the common yet unexpectedly difficult feelings around caring for a child and the resulting growth from surrendering to what is needed. Also, Alexis always knew she wanted a home birth, but was met with strong resistance from her parents and her partner, especially for her first child. But after two positive hospital births with midwives, Alexis finally had the home birth she always wanted. So welcome, Alexis. Thank you. Um, So you're a mother of three, and you're also a psychotherapist who specializes in prenatal and postpartum transitions. Did you start this work before transitioning to becoming a mother yourself? I I was a therapist already. So I um, had worked for many years in community mental health work, so with um, people with developmental disabilities and more chronic mental illness. And then... I had I worked had a private practice, but I did not start start working more specifically with parenthood transition to parenthood postpartum until after I became a mother. And what made you want to transition into into specializing in pregnancy? I mean, I guess like a lot of things, when you're sort of like in your own experience, you get so much from. It just was very transformative for me. Like it probably is for all people, mm. you know, and as a psychotherapist, you are so, you bring so much of your own experience to the work that you do and all transformative experience sort of gets woven into your perspective with patients. Um, and even it's, I feel like it's not just with, you know, people who are becoming parents, mm-hmm. you have a different insight, I think, into becoming a person you know you get such a you get a front row Mm -hmm. you know in it experience of people becoming people and yeah and and of course there are lots of wonderful therapists who are not parents but I feel very influenced in the way that I think it's just changed how I think about human nature and things like that did this happen after your first or your second yes um I would say that nothing has like rocked me Mm. like the experience of becoming a parent I had a lot of expectations about, you know, that I was like calm and I would have a calm baby and it would be like blissful and beautiful and serene. And it was not like that at all. Mm-hmm. I had a very uh, difficult to soothe baby. Mm-hmm. I was a wreck. I was, de- I think I definitely had like, I, I don't know if it's postpartum depression. I mean, we talk about that a lot as a thing. I think it's more like a developmentally appropriate response mm-hmm. to total identity transformation, you know? Um, and so I was a mess. I was a wreck. And that uh, really changed how I think about myself. And, um, yeah. Did you seek support? In- no, not re- not really. Interesting. I had myself been in therapy right in, up until having a baby. And then didn't do it. I think didn't like all experiences when you're inside of them, you don't really know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew that I was not quite okay, but I think I just, uh, didn't, I didn't know how to see my way out of it. Or I kept trying to, uh, convince myself everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And and it was, and it wasn't. As you said, (laughs) it is an appropriate response, but then there's, I guess a, it, it goes sometimes beyond where the, where the point where like, you probably do need a little bit of extra support, but it's hard to see yeah. that you're in that. Yeah. Um, did you experience any of that in the pregnancy with your first? No. So I, you know, I was lucky enough to have really pretty good pregnancies. I'm like a pretty good pregnant lady. I like being pregnant. I feel pretty good pregnant, except for the first part of it. I, I was pretty sick with all of them for, for the first trimester, for like the first 10 to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. and then felt pretty great. Um, so, and I think that part of my reaction, definitely to my first pregnancy, was just to create a bubble of, this is great, I am great, this will be great, which maybe in part was why I was so blindsided when it didn't feel that way, you know? I, I think I, presu- I just presumed a lot of control. And I do think that that's one of those of us who are oriented around like ha- having control, being in control, it can be so hard when you have this 
It just blows that right open. Totally. Um, so as a professional in the field, what would you recommend for women? Because you said you had seen a therapist yourself up until you had the baby. Do you recommend then continuing that support? Like, or is it just different for everyone? I mean, I guess yes to both, you know, Mm that of course, right? Like we're all on these journeys and it's different for all of us, but, and you can't, because it is this kind of thing where you cannot, people can tell you all sorts of things when you're pregnant and you can intellectually maybe absorb them or not, but you can't access it. I don't think until you're in it. It's just sort of, and I think it's almost feels disruptive for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, when you hear the like, well, sleep now because you're never sleeping again. And I, I remember I had with a really good friend who is a few years older than me and had already had a couple of kids by the time I was having my first, Mm -hmm. we had this lunch once where she, my oldest was born November 11th. 11, 11, 11, oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. What a great birthday. Yeah. Um, he's just old enough now to know that that's a cool birthday. <laughs> so he likes to tell everybody. That's awesome. But so we were having lunch. I was still pregnant talking about Thanksgiving. And I was saying how we, you know, I don't think I was saying something about our plans. And she was like, well, you, you might be okay by then. I mean, you're probably going to be a wreck. She was saying some things to me. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling very like... Just resi- I was very resistant to the mm. suggestion that it would not be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we had like a little bit of a impasse around that where she was trying to be helpful to me right. and it, and I just couldn't hear it. Yeah. Um, and I think about that now because she was right. I mean, that Thanksgiving was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, not that it like, was necessarily going to be. It right. could have been okay had I had a different temperament of baby that wasn't mm. crying for the first three months of his life. Mm. You know? God. And that's the thing. is like you just don't... It's so hard to plan for something you just... Because it's... You can plan for what you can do, you know, to recover, but you're also meeting some... You're meeting the most intimate stranger as well. So yeah. you're having to, like, plan for who is this person actually going to be, yeah. you know? And... Of course you can't anticipate that. I mean, I guess you could just expect all babies are colicky, quote, or whatever, you know. But, yeah, it, it just, you just don't know until yeah. you're in it. And I, I think that that's the, that is the biggest change for me professionally. The biggest appreciation I've had now is for, for endowment. I think in your, in your training, you, there's a lot of emphasis on the um, influence of experiences and relationships in how people are, you know, who we are. And, and or maybe that's more what I was sort of tuning into in my training. And then once I had my children, I realized, oh, a lot of people show up. Disposition is real. Temperament is real. And goodness of fit between mm-hmm. parent and child is, I have a much deeper appreciation for that now Interesting. than I used to have. And what about your husband through, you know, in that, or in those early weeks, months, what was that like for him in his own journey of transformation, becoming a parent, but also in supporting you and trying to navigate? I, I think we took turns being the one who was trying to be positive and encouraging and being the, the, you know, the one who was a little freaked out. Mm -hmm. He was less unhinged than I was. He was, he's pretty steady in general. Um, and I definitely remember like one moment in the first week where (laughs) I guess it was our first night coming home from the hospital Mm -hmm. and we didn't have any idea what we were doing. We were sleeping in shifts, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous in Uh retrospect. And I remember (laughs) I was waking or like waking up or being awake at the same time at some point and him saying like, we almost died last night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which... Now is so like hilarious to me. Yeah, just to think about us but being such is, a mess. It, there is almost like there is almost this like beautiful rite of passage. You do have to sort of die a little bit together, you know, to yeah. be reborn yeah. as parents. Oh, it's so true. You know, it's so true. And I that's something I think a lot about, with, which is that there's birth is a creation, but it's also there's loss in mm-hmm. it. You know, you're losing a part of yourself, a part of your marriage, yep. a part of your, you know, that's really, yeah. there's grief involved in, in becoming a parent. Yeah. And I think that that's something that people are not 
always prepared for or perhaps yeah. you can't really be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it is important to talk about, like, with any game, there's going to be a loss of something. Mm -hmm. Naturally, you have to sort of, like, give something up to make space for something new, whether it's the baby, whether it's, like, your own, your new identity, your Mm -hmm. husband, you know, but it's a lot. It is. Um, So you had your first two children in the hospital with midwives. What or who exposed you to that option of midwifery care um, in a hospital? Because it's not so common. There's very... There's maybe two, three hospitals in LA with midwives. Yeah. So what made you go that route? Um, so I had my, I, we were living in Chicago when I had my oldest, mm-hmm. and there's a few hospitals there who have that option. And I had wanted a home birth with all three. It had always been in my mind, and I was trying to think about where that comes from. My mom had natural childbirth with me and my sister, but she was definitely in a hospital, mm-hmm. and. My parents were not down with me doing home birth, which is a whole other topic. Mm -hmm. But so, and and my husband's father was a physician. So there was just some resistance, even from Pat, Pat, my husband, Mm -hmm. to that option of home birth. So the hospital birth with midwives felt like the compromise. Yeah. Um, And I had had, I'd had a friend from high school have a home birth and I had a couple other friends do midwives in the hospital. So that felt like a sort of known mm-hmm. entity mm-hmm. to me. Um, what, I mean, it's pretty common, I think, when there's a family, when there's at least one physician in the family, you know, mm-hmm. for it to tend to lean to more of the conservative side, at least for the first one, yeah. you know, being in a hospital setting. Um, but if you don't mind me asking, what were the reasons of your mom being resistant of... Which is such a common thing, and yeah. it's always, but it's different for everyone. So you know, it's. I'm always curious to hear, you know, what are the the common fears and sometimes misnomers about yeah. about home birth. What came up for her? Well, my parents had essentially an intervention with us mm. this time last year about the home birth we were planning. Like, sat us down. Wow. And I, I, the basic point of view was why would you take that quote-unquote risk? And the risk is for the baby or for you? Both. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's just a lot of fear and a lot of um, not really understanding. You know, they were saying things to me like, my mom was saying, like, you're a high-risk pregnancy. You're an older pregnant, you're an older mm-hmm. mom, you know, which is just, it's just not true that I'm high-risk in the way that she means it. Right. Um, and... A lot of what they were saying actually didn't really make sense, but they, I think they just were fearful and felt like it was an unnecessary risk Mm. that we were taking. And how did you go into that? Well, how did you sort of, did, did, did that, did it feel like it was difficult to go through with the home birth at that point or had you? Well, I, I think, and this is sort of how conflict with my parents operates generally in the moment I'm able to represent my point of view. We had, we had this conversation. My dad said very little, but was clearly very distraught. And my Mm -hmm. mom, you know, like she gives a little bit, but clearly they think this is a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And, but when I get distance from it, then it it does get to me. It does affect me. It starts creeping in. And I think I did have a little bit of doubt after that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bringing my mom to see Sarah because that's what she encouraged. She was like, let's bring her in. Mm -hmm. And she was amazing with her. I mean, by the end, my mom was talking about her own births and her unnecessary episiotomy with this old man doctor. And, you know, I think some part of her got it, even though she's still... Yeah. She still would say she still thinks that that was not the right choice, even though I had a, like totally smooth beautiful home birth interesting so which yeah just could be yeah it could be generational it could be just yeah her personal preference and um is that the thing then I mean the kind of you you said like in the moment can represent yourself did, did that happen did you even get to that point when you were having your first two kids like did you even get to the conversation of we I talked to them about a birth center with my first uh-huh. I had thought about trying to do that route and it was met with total they were so upset and my husband was not supportive so that was sort of that at that point I was like I don't want this enough to feel like you're I'm, alone and, and and that I felt like oh well I guess this is a, not for us mm. um 
but I still wanted it. Mm -hmm. And then with the second, we moved. So Leo was born in 2011, and then we moved to L.A. in January of 2014. Okay. So he was um, a little over two. And then three months later, I had Peter here in L.A. Uh, Where'd you have him? At UCLA. Okay. With the midwives there. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what were those What were those birth experiences like? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I would say I feel really lucky and grateful to have had really good birth experiences. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a deeply personal thing. And I've had so many friends and patients have, you know, at best disappointing birth experiences, at worst, really traumatic birth experiences. And, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that it can sometimes be activating mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, really great birth experiences for people. But I do feel so lucky that the, that's, you know, what I had. My first was um, the, the hardest, of course, as they are. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a vacuum at the end of that birth that, you know, I sort of wonder if that was necessary. Mm. You know, it was a, not a long that long of a labor. From, like, start to finish, it was 10 hours. Wow. And I had been pushing for, like, 15, 20 minutes, but they felt like his heart rate was dropping. Mm-hmm. And the midwife that I had... I. I now realize she was, I think, newer. And we were in a hospital. So the second there was a sure. question, it was all of a sudden, like, the lights were on. Bring the team the, in. The team was in. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, like, there's a vacuum. Mm. And, you know, he's, mm-hmm. and then he was left with hematomas on his head. I, I wonder about that in terms of his his difficulty in the mm. first months. He had these two huge horns on his head. So I they tried multiple times then with a the vacuum. They No, they actually just did one. Oh. I, maybe they had trouble getting it on. Yeah. But they did one pull, and then I pushed him the rest of the way out. Wow. So. And he was fine then after? Like, he... He was fine, except for this, like, yeah. contusion. Yeah. Um, but I I think... They, and they assured me, he's totally fine. He has no pain. He's great. I feel like he maybe just had a terrible headache. Yeah. Or, or just uncomfortable laying in a certain way, breastfeeding, yeah. or, you yeah. know. You know, I mean, it's hard to, it's like, it's hard to know. It's hard to know, and hard to know what happened, and I don't know that it's useful to go through the, like, sure. maybe that didn't have to happen, and maybe it could have, mm. you know. Um, but I, I really, really needed to feel like that was the birth I wanted it to be. So even though that happened at the end, I was so attached to the idea that it was beautiful and great. Mm. And it it was, but I just remember being really, um, holding onto that really tight. Mm -hmm. Was he a bigger baby or? He was 7'10". Oh, no. Yeah. Not not that big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with Peter at UCLA, so they say your second birth is the time of the first cut in half. Was this a significant? It was exactly that. It It was was five hours. Wow. From start to finish. And... It came on both both of those labors, which Billy the baby was different. Uh huh. Interesting. Um, both of those labors, like when they started, we were like off. Uh-huh. Was happening. Yeah. So no start and stop. No. No. Uh-huh. So with him, I woke up at like six a six a.m. I think you know I was in some sort of early labor thing the night before because I started packing stuff up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Leo was. Four days late. Peter was four days early. Hmm. I, it was like, something's happening. Like, I just could feel yeah. something going on. Woke up, bloody show, really quickly, like, five-minute part contractions. Wow. Got in the car, drove to UCLA. We're so lucky to not hit terrible traffic. Yep. Got there, and they were like, okay, well, we don't have a room for you. Also, both hospitals were like, we're going to have a tub. Yes, we will by the time you, and then no, no tub. <laughs> But, you know, once you're in it, who cares? Um, So they were like, we don't have a room. Um, I'm sure you appeared like you weren't that far along. And then, of course, they checked me, and they're like, oh, we'll be getting a room for you immediately. (laughs) Because I would think it was already like five or six centimeters. Mm -hmm. And then he was born um, just like a couple hours later. And that, that birth was like... The, uh, that was the most euphoric mm. experience I had with childbirth, where the moment of him being born was like the best 
moment of my life mm-hmm. where I, I remember hold, I think I maybe even had a third baby because of that. Right. Like, like holding him being like, this can't be the last time. Wow. This is the best feeling I've ever had. And interventions with that one. No interventions. No, it was very smooth. Mm. And he was a different creature from the minute mm. he was born. Interesting. Like just like calm, easily soothed, peaceful little guy. And that's his temperament. Yeah. He's very easygoing. Were you different in the pregnancy at all? In I, those two pregnancies felt pretty identical to okay. me. Interesting. Yeah. And that's what's so, you know, I mean, obviously babies come with their own constitution. You know, there's there's obviously stuff that you can do to contribute to that. But at the same of time, course. they are who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just so interesting that perhaps the one thing you could define, you could say that's different, you know, are the are the end of birth experiences Mm -hmm. um but but I always find that the second even if the first is a beautiful experience like the second is redemption in the sense of like totally you know not having the intervention that you had the previous time or not having temperament or Mm -hmm. you know the previous child it's just it's like oh this can just be very um easy mm-hmm. in that, you know, in the context of what that means easy, but, yeah. um, I, but I, I always think, I always think about that, that it's so, it's so different subsequent times around, you know, that with the first kid, you become a mother, you mm. become a parent, which is a really disruptive experience and you never have to do that again. Right. You know, so whatever the labors are, how different they are, there's a, an aspect of what it means to do it the first time that is it's never again. So true. You know? Like the shock of it and and that transformative is like that's, you've done that you've done work. It. And that's also why I feel like breastfeeding is sometimes better the second time because mm-hmm. the girl is so much more confident. It, mm-hmm. If there's less sort of mm-hmm. you know fear of the unknown, you just totally. you've been through it before, and everything is just at ease a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I have thought a lot about is that with in the in the early days with a first baby, you are over and over and over and over again integrating the idea that things work out. Mm. Like you just have that experience hundreds of times where it's like the thing of the moment, the magnet of self-doubt of the moment spins you out and then it just figures itself out. Mm-hmm. And it takes at least a year to to do that, to to start being able to stop the spin out and say, oh, this, this will be fine. Yeah. And with subsequent kids, usually, hopefully you have that, like that's in there already. Yeah. That's so like, yeah, just that sort of innate sense of knowing that like you got this, Uh which or like you don't got it, but also that's fine. And that's okay. (laughs) And you're not a terrible parent. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, a year. I mean, that's what they consider a home. That's what they consider postpartum. Mm -hmm. So it's, interesting that that's really at the time that you finally feel like vaguely normal again yeah a sense of knowing or the new normal um so for you in in the point of the third child and looking for a midwife and and deciding on home birth and your husband was on board what well what about home birth was important to you you know that that you even before choosing hospital births like what about it intrigued you I I think for me natural childbirth and home birth I think even more I don't think I've never felt physically like a strong person really like I don't think I I just don't think of myself that way I'm not athletic I'm not Mm -hmm. and there was something really meaningful for me in being able to have a natural childbirth Mm. like doing that feeling that like sense of power in my body was just very meaningful to me and because I'd done it at after when I got pregnant for the third time I'd done it twice I knew I could do it I just was like I can do that I am a person who can do this I want this experience Mm -hmm. I just felt very I just wanted that amazing yeah and that's not the first time I've heard that you know where a lot of women will say yeah I'm not the most fit physical person but the but the physical experience like you said, the power of it is mm-hmm. is meaningful and and important to kind of yeah feel that in your body. And you know, we're not um, religious or spiritual people, my husband and I. But there's this is one of the few mm. I don't know things 
like that, that I, and to, to do that together, to mm-hmm. have that in our home. It, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, and it was, it was, I think for me, what I wanted it to be, what I hoped it would be. Mm. So tell me about your journey then in choosing a home birth with your third baby. So my, um, yeah, so Pat was like, okay, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, I think because, because there had been that resistance though, I interviewed so many and I started out at Del Mar mm-hmm. at the birth center thinking, okay, like this, I have to interview midwives. I don't know. Maybe this is a good option for me. And I love, I did love it there. I mm-hmm. felt like that was a, but it felt like a compromise. It didn't feel like quite what mm-hmm. I was wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also during this period of time, Pat was working in New York. So he was gone and I was here with our other two kids, which I don't know, just lends to the sort of strangeness of this moment in time, being pregnant with the other two kids, going around town, interviewing all these midwives. But Sarah was the very first person I met with. Interesting. She's from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Mm. Like I felt like a real immediate connection with her, but I, I was worried that she hadn't been doing it as long as other people. And I thought I maybe needed someone who had been doing it for 20 years, which I don't know. I don't know what any of these things mean, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I switched from Del Mar, and then I was working with some other midwives, and then that didn't feel like the right fit. And and I just always had Sarah in my mind. Hmm. And so I just went back to her and decided to work with her. So at what what point did you... um, start looking at midwives and what point did you were you at Del Mar I early I started my care there okay so So you were like 11 12 weeks yeah okay I started my care there there was I talked with someone about the possibility of doing an an at-home birth with you guys but they told me that that was only an option for people who had already had a baby with you Mm -hmm. um yeah Okay. So, but I, I guess I was maybe like in the twenties when I started working with Sarah. Got it. So, okay. So then you were, and then in, in between you were with a group of midwives and that just didn't feel right to you. Like the home birth midwives. Yes. It just didn't feel like the right fit. Like I started mm-hmm. getting like these little creeping feelings of something not being, you know, not even, um, exactly something I could put my finger on. But I tried to convince myself that it was right, and I I didn't want to seem like a lunatic, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and so, and that's that's I mean it's like there's a midwife for everyone. You yeah, know? I mean there's yeah. there's so many midwives now in LA, which is great. Um, no, it, uh, to be perfectly honest, what happened is I found out that they uh, it seemed to me that they were indicating that they were anti-vaccine. Okay, which for me was not the right got it match. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that... Which says a lot about how, you know, medical care, like, it can be an indication of, like, what other things are we not in line with? Perhaps? Yes. Yes. In, 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 and, and I'm sure, you know, of course, I'm sure there are people that they are looking for that, that that... Yes. You know? Of course. Um, but for me, that felt, like, just not... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, so, with... Any of the pregnancies, I mean, we talked a little bit about the kind of the little bit of doubt that kind of crept up in your last one, you know, mm-hmm. after having the essentially intervention with your parents. <laughs> yes. Um, were there different fears with every pregnancy and, and, or, or not at all? Like, did you feel kind of, what did, you know, did it bring up anything, different ones? In my third pregnancy, I felt quite depressed at the beginning. Like, I think hormonally depressed, which I didn't experience with the other two. I didn't know. I found out that I was having boys with my first two. I found out what I was having. Mm-hmm. I did not find out with the third. Interesting. How come? Just. Um, I had a strong reaction to finding out I was having a second boy. Okay. Like crying on the ultrasound table with my two-year-old being like, Mama, are you okay? Aww. Trying to be like, Mama's totally fine. <laughs> and then I had to manage, you know, and then, sure. you know, he was born and he's my soulmate and it's fine. Um, but I, so I didn't want to have that experience again. Okay. And, but for some reason I didn't feel the need to know 
Yeah. Um, if it had been hard to not find out, I would have just found out. But I, I had gotten myself into a, a like, okay, so I'm having a third son and that's fine. Mm. Uh, and I did not. Right. <laughs> um, and was that a big surprise when you met her? When you met I think I kind of did know it was yeah. a girl. Yeah. And the pregnancy felt different. I was depressed and wasn't with the other one. I was much sicker. Um, little things like I, with the boys, I would have like the occasional glass of wine and felt fine mm-hmm. with her. My guy, my body couldn't tolerate it. Mm. I had gotten the, what is that called? The Nea, recti. Oh, well the, the line, the, the line. Yeah. I had that the first two. I did not have it. The third, my hair was falling out in handfuls with my third pregnancy hadn't happened. So there were all these wow. things where I was like, I feel like this is different, huh. but I didn't want to invest too much in that. Mm-hmm. Um, idea mm-hmm. and we had really I think wanted three children more than you know sure wanting a girl I mean I did want a girl yeah desperately yeah actually but <laughs> as evidenced by the uh-huh. strong reaction from uh-huh. the second um and any fears with like postpartum or anything like that you kind of it was um I was more concerned about that the second time around. I had not been concerned about it the first time around. And then I did encapsulate my placenta the the second, both the second and third times. And who knows if that helped or not, but, you know. Yeah. Um, And I had moved away from my family, friends, community. I mean, when we moved to L.A., I didn't know a single person. And so then I was here with a newborn and a toddler. So that was tricky. That was hard, but I, I, I don't think I had the same kind of mood disruption that I had with the first. Somehow, I was I was very in love with the baby mm-hmm. in a particular way that sort of I don't know. I think I think maybe I needed to do that, I, and that's what I needed to like get mm-hmm. through the experience I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I did then meet a lot of really wonderful women who had babies around that age and community formed around that. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about, tell me about Billy's birth. Yes. So, so you were four days late the first time, four days early the second time, five days early. Interesting time. Okay. And Sarah had warned me that third labors can be the wild card and that they often stop and start. So I did have that in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like the day before I went into labor, I was at um, a coffee shop with my husband. We had gone to couples therapy, uh-huh. and then we went to have some Good. have some coffee, yeah. a little date, <laughs> and we ran into a friend, and he had his friend there. And this woman sat down, and she was like, "Oh, you're about to have a baby any day." And then she said, "Oh, I have two boys, and then I had a girl. My third it was my first home birth, and my other two. My first labor was ten hours. My second labor was five hours, but my third labor started and stopped for a day and a half. But when she came, she came. She told me this whole story. Wow, and which was very calming. And I, I you know I feel like this woman was sent to me. Yes, you know? absolutely. I ate giant cheeseburger and then went home went out to dinner with some two girlfriends and at that dinner was like something is happening and what is that like for you what did that mean in your body I've started feeling like just like a little bit of anxiety Mm. and like just like a little like uneasy Mm -hmm. upset stomach a little bit Mm. um I just like felt the movement was happening. Mm-hmm. And then I went to bed, woke up, and it was a lot like my second labor and my first, where all of a sudden I woke up and was having contractions. So I thought, this is it, if it follows the mm-hmm. pattern. It's what you know. Yeah. But, so it went on for a little while. So we had had a, we had a birth tub set up in our bedroom. I had made, like, a little altar with crystals and candles and whatever. Uh, and I like told all my people, here we go. Any bloody show like the others? No. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. And then it petered out. And then it was gone for a few hours. And so Sarah was like, take a walk, do whatever. Do. And so one of my um one of my best friends in Chicago is a midwife. Hmm. And she works, she does hospital, she's a hospital midwife. 
And so of course I'm in communication with her and she's like, eat like you're snacking, like eat, you know, so I'm like eating handfuls of cashews and (laughs) just, and so the labor went away until 5 PM that night. And then basically from 5 PM that night until 5 PM the next day, I had 10 minute apart contractions. Wow. So and so did you sleep at all that night? I did, but I would they were strong enough that I was yeah. waking I would get up and wake up and like often stand and take the contractions. There was some time where I was able to sleep. But, mm-hmm. I mean I did sleep for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was right. You know, I watched all of the marvelous Miss Maisel <laughs> through contractions. <laughs> walking around at some point my husband and I went to go look at a place he was thinking of renting for his office space and I was just like don't mind me I'm just in labor here so they were okay so they were mild enough to early on they were okay and then but then they were like I was in the shower I was you know in it if it had been a first labor it would have been really hard because Mm -hmm. I would have thought that was labor you know but I, because it was my third, I knew it wasn't the main event. Yeah. I knew that we were just, and Sarah came over. She was so like chill and calm and like, yeah, we're just going to do this for a while. Mm-hmm. And Did she check you at all when she came over? She didn't. She came twice. So the first day, I don't think she didn't. The second day she did. And I was maybe like three centimeters or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my kids, by the way, my boys are like in and out of the house going to school they they left for school so that was the labor started thursday morning Mm -hmm. no baby thursday (laughs) but we're trying to keep them out of the house my husband really wanted them to not be home i think he had a lot of anxiety Mm. about them being present Mm -hmm. i did not and we had had many conversations with them about like Mm. you can be here you cannot be here you can be in the room you cannot be in the room i remember my oldest getting into the birth tub and putting his penis between his legs and being like, I'm mommy, I'm going to have a baby. It's hilarious. Like they were kind of absorbing it. Yeah. You know, but I didn't feel, I didn't have any anxiety about them being there. Mm -hmm. I think I wanted them there, which Mm. is what eventually plays out. Uh Um, So they leave for school Friday thinking they might come home to a baby. Right. But still no sign of baby. And then um, at five, so at like five o'clock, all of a sudden they come home. And really, real labor hits. Interesting. So I, and then, and I knew kind of like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe the time before Sarah had checked me, I was further along. Um, so they're like taking a bath. Um, Jules, our nanny said that when Peter was in the bath, he was like, do you hear that sound? And this is me like fully taking, con- you know, m- moaning through contractions. Mm-hmm. Like, That's my mommy. She's making a baby. <sighs> Which is so cute. So cute. And that's so lovely that you prepared them that much that they weren't scared of those sounds, you know, and they felt like that's a natural sound you make when you're working really hard. Yes. Which is one of the things that we, Sarah had talked to us about saying, which is really feels like the perfect. Yeah. Um, so my, but Pat was really still feeling worried about them. Mm. And he's like trying to fill up the tub because we'd filled it up already once and it had not been go time. And then it was cool and he had to refill it. And he's dealing with the kids thinking we need to get them out of the house. So we had a moment where I was like, I need you to just be like here with me. I'm not worried about them. They're not worried. You know, if they were, if they were scared, they'd be coming in here being like, is mommy okay? What's happening with mommy? And that's not what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So we need to just trust that it's fine. Ultimately, they were out here with the Ninjago movie on full blast (laughs) with our nanny while I had a baby in our bedroom. (laughs) And it was totally fine. It's great. Um, And I did get in, Sarah had me get in the tub and that was like 15 minutes and then she came in the water. Wow. wow. Yeah. So as far as timing goes, so they came home at 5 p.m. from school. She labor. was born at 7.45 p.m. Oh my so gosh. It was pretty quick once it happened. Two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Once of like active contractions that yeah. were coming consistently. Yeah. And so it might they, have even been later. It might have been more like 530, you know, somewhere wow. in that. So, and did it ever, did it ever, did that surprise you that it would happen that fast? 
I think that was more my expectation because my second labor had been five hours start to finish. Mm-hmm. I was thrown by this start stop. It had not been my experience at all with my previous. So, but once that, once I really felt like we were in it, I was like, oh, this is, here we go. It's on. Yeah. And even though you said, you know, had this been your first labor, the start and stop, you would have thought that's labor, but you knew it wasn't. Did it still kind of creep in of like, like a little bit of, did you get in your head about it? The fact that it was starting and stopping? And a little bit. Normal? Like I knew I was getting tired. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah was very, very reassuring. My friend Molly was really reassuring. Um, you know, other, other wonderful friends were too, mm-hmm. but I did, I was starting to get tired and I was starting to get anxious. I was doing, um, some hypnobirthing guided meditations mm-hmm. that I used the second labor too that mm-hmm. were really great. Mm-hmm. So that calmed me down. Um, yeah. And so if you can remember, because everyone, I think, you know, for expectant mothers, the, you, they want so badly to know as much as you can know without being in it. But like, if you can remember the sensation, where did you feel the contractions in your body? Like, for me, it was like a wrapping around, a crescendo, the wave mm-hmm. feeling of like, it starts, you can feel it starting and then it is a wave and it peaks and then it recedes. And was that all, you said kind of like point to your belly, like in your belly or yes. was it in your back? Was it in your legs? And, no, no, for me it was... It was like period cramp region and belly. And like a gripping sensation or yes, a, a gripping. Uh-huh. I would say that. And I I remember what in all my labors being like, if this is how bad it's gonna get, I can take it, but mm. how much worse is it gonna be? <laughs> That's always the sort of way of mm. what I find to be the craziest is the just the pushing. And for so my water didn't break in any of my labors until right before the baby came. Interesting. It, it was nine, ten. When as soon as I was complete, then finally the lab, the water broke and the baby fell onto my cervix, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. That sensation. And, and I it's fresher now because of mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't that long ago that Billy was born, and I remember being like, "This is horrible. This is crazy. What have I done?" It means like she's coming. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because that is the difference of like, okay, it's no longer this water balloon essentially on your cervix. Yeah. It's now bone. It's a baby's head. Yeah. And that's coming. What was pushing like, well, how long did you push for the third time? I, like if a couple pushes, it, two pushes, yeah. 10 minutes. I don't know. Yeah. And with with Peter too, it was very quick. But I just remember being with the, the midwife saying to me just screaming, this is Peter, like the water's broken, the baby's there, we've got to push him push him out. Mm-hmm. And her saying, Alexis, why are you screaming? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, you chose to have a baby with no pain medication. That's what's happening right now. Let's one push, baby's out, let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. here we go. Had you been pretty vocal in the labor no, and my my husband says that back at that point in all the labors, it's like the opera scream. <laughs> like suddenly I'm like, Free start freaking out. And that happened this time too? Yeah. How funny. Just like freak out a little bit and then push the baby out. And did you feel the, what everyone, you know, what a lot of women describe as the the ring of fire, the crowning? Totally. Yeah. Yes. You're like, my body's ripping open right now. And did you have any lacerations? Any Mm -hmm. needs? I had second degree all three times. But weirdly, it, it was felt. It was horrible the first time. I don't know if there's a thing, and you would know better than I would, if your body just recovers quicker the subsequent times, which is so wild because you're still just ripping open. Same it's the same. Yeah. But it was not a big deal mm. the second or third time. I was like, oh, it's But fine. I also wonder if it's kind of going back to what we talked about, you know, of like there's not so much of that like transformation the first time of like, oh my gosh, yeah. my vagina just, you know, it's like, yeah. It is what uh-huh, it is, uh-huh. you know. I, mean, I feel like I hardly noticed it. I will say the the one the experience of the third that was different for me is Sarah. The thing that she says, which maybe other people have brought up on your podcast, is or you maybe know this anyway. Three days in the bed, three days on the bed, three days around the bed, which I'd never heard before, and I definitely didn't do at all with the second. I was like up and out and whatever, and I really took that to heart and yeah. took to my bed. For you know, a week and a half. Yeah, and it was amazing. 
And I loved it. And good for you for having two other children as well. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, how did you, I mean, you have Jules, your nanny. Yes. Is that, I mean, how do you juggle? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely so lucky to have that, to have that support and help. And then my, my mom came like pretty immediately. She could like basically jumped on a plane and got here a day later, yeah. which is what she did with Peter too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that help. And then my dad came a couple days after that and my mother-in-law came to visit. So we had, we had help. And that help came in the form of cooking and cleaning or like looking yeah. at the other kids. Yeah. All of that. That's so nice. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes similar to the birth experience, like it can be such sort of quote women's work that partners can get a little, like feel a little bit like where do they fit mm-hmm. in? But did your husband sort of find his way? I mean, obviously it's his third time as well. Like he yeah. kind of knows the groove, but like find his way where he can be helpful um, amongst all these lovely women helping you in the postpartum. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he takes good care of me for sure. And he had also, so he was gone from, he was in New York with like a few little trips back from August to Dece- mid-December. Okay. So he had been home, you know, a month at most before she was born. Wow. So he also, I think, had, there was like a backlog of, you know, he, he felt on. He knew he was on. Yeah, yeah, And he yeah. was ready to be on. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what did you, you said you learned a lot about yourself after the first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like was the, was this time around this last, this last birth? Like, what did you feel like you learned about yourself, your partner? Anything that comes to mind? Hmm. I don't know. I feel I, with the first was really just earth shattering. And then the second was just so uplifting. Mm -hmm. And then the third felt like more somehow just known sort of like, Oh, okay. Like this is right. This is good. This is I. I didn't feel a real up or down or anything. I felt even. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, I think here's what I guess I would say that I I'm not that great at asking for help or receiving help, mm-hmm. and I definitely just realized I had to. You know, people who wanted to bring over food. Or take my kids, or yes to everything, mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. feeling guilty about it, mm-hmm. which is a good, a good thing to be able to do. Yeah, you know, to let yourself receive yes help from your community and your family and your friends, and that's such a common, that's such a common hard thing for a lot of women. Yeah, I think it is, and I and I don't and I I I don't know why, and I don't know if it's because the women who. I work with at the birth center, you know, there's a, they're, they're older, they've, they're these independent, like working women and I can't sort of place my finger on it. And I don't know if it's sort of like this certain demographic who choose, mm-hmm. you know, out of hospital or, but it's, um, it's such a common theme and yet like it can feel so isolating cause it's like you, it's a conflict of interest. Like you, you don't want to be alone, but it's, it's so hard to ask and receive help at the same time. Um, but it's like this collective experience and it's, I like, yeah. What do you think about, I mean, why do you think women, I mean, maybe speaking, speaking from personal experience, like for you, why it's hard to ask and receive help. I mean, I guess it probably has something to do with that idea of sick being in control, you know, and be and and being a caretaker, being caretakers of other people, and be you know that that you you have to give some of that up. You yeah. have to give up being in control to receive. You have to take if someone's going to do it for you, that you have to take it the way they do it. Right, and that is hard. It's hard, which is again like kind of it goes with like the theme of like. With a gain, there's a loss. Yeah. And that's everything with birth, it seems like. There's, yeah, <laughs> it's like so true. A forward and a back, it's like the turtling motion yeah. towards the end, you know. I, but I think, and I think for me, I, do, I, 
being competent, having it, you know, having it together, doing things the orderly, the way that I want to do them. That is a part of who I am, am or can be. Mm-hmm. And becoming, having kids has forced me to let go mm-hmm. of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like my house is not going to be mm-hmm. totally in order in the way I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to, whatever. There's so many things you can't, you just can't do in the same way you used to. Yeah. And there's so many like beautiful lessons with that, although they're hardest, you yes. know, like it's like, oh, it's okay to soften, I guess, in that way. And you know, in terms of um, other parents, other moms that I'm friends with, I, I, it's, I cannot be friends with someone who, whose attitude is not, we're all just doing the best we can. Right. <laughs> we don't really know what we're doing. This is hard. We're in it together. Yeah. You know, anyone who presents otherwise, it's just not, yeah, not for me. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, I can imagine that as well. It's just not, it's not relatable. Like <laughs> no. it's just not seemingly real. I feel like that's, it should be one's approach for life. Totally. Of course. You're right. It's so true. Um, so what would be, you know, given you've had three very positive experiences in different, um, settings and cities, what would be your wise words planning, you know, to other women who are planning an out of hospital birth or planning an unmedicated birth in a hospital whether this is how to prep for it physically or mentally, or um, just like you said, having that motto of like, you do the best yeah. you can, or anything comes to mind. I, I guess the thing that I would say for someone who's aspiring to have a, um unmedicated or out-of-hospital birth is that, of course, we have to hold out here the idea that it may not go the way that we want it to. And that there will certainly be things that surprise us, but that, you know, we might not have, and it might, there might be disappointments, but you also have to also hold the conviction that it's going to have, you're going to do it Mm. because if you don't, if you don't proceed, like this is going to happen, it's not going to. So it's really one of those things where you have to hold both things. Mm. You have to know that it's going to be probably different than you think it's going to be and it might not happen and at the same time believe it's going to happen yeah which is that's a hard space to occupy um yeah to be attached but unattached yeah i mean i guess that's a sort of impossible (laughs) task but i think that is what you have to do you have to believe you can do it yeah because if you don't believe you can do it you will not be able to because so much of it is i mean you can you can have all the right care providers and the right setup and the right support, but it truly does come down to you in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's amazing how much one can get in their head about it. It totally. But, but when I think about, you know, texts from friends that, that I, that I got while in labor of saying, I actually did text some of my girlfriends who'd also had, you know, unmedicated births, mm-hmm when I was in that sort of stop, start getting exhausted and getting the, and I knew what I would get back, but getting the, like, you are a warrior, you can do this. You know, we believe in you. That's, it really does something to Mm -hmm. like get that, you know? So yeah. Well said. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.